Who are five Denver Broncos that general manager George Payton should look at re-signing after the 2021 season? Plus, Tim Jenkins joins us to give his thoughts on the Broncos' offensive explosion against the Dallas Cowboys. Is it sustainable? We go through, we look at it, we react with Tim Jenkins on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are Locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke. Joined alongside my co-host, Sarah Bettinger, both of us. We cover the Denver Broncos for the Lockdown Network and Nine News. Make sure you follow and subscribe, free and available everywhere you get your podcast. You can subscribe here on YouTube so you can watch us. Make sure you turn on notifications so you never miss out on all the coverage, all things Denver Broncos. And Sarah, today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, brought to you by our good friends over there at McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. But Sarah, one thing I'm loving is that we get to talk Broncos football here once again, another week of preparation for the team coming forward. Obviously, we got some injury updates yesterday from Broncos head coach Vic Fangio. Today, I felt like it'd be a really good day to kind of break things down with Tim Jenkins. He'll join us a little bit later, but I'm excited about an article you just put out at predominantlyorange.com, and it's five Denver Broncos that general manager George Payton should look at re-signing after the season. Before we get into that, my friend, how you doing? Doing great, Cody. Doing great. It's it's a fun time right now. Two-game winning streak. The the feelings are – it just feels like everybody's renewed optimism. We're talking about re-signing guys. We're talking about players <laughs> coming back from injury. It just – you know, the ebbs and flows of a season are always hilarious to me. But th- these are the good times. we got to enjoy it. Yeah, and I think there were a lot of Broncos fans in the comments the last couple of days like, you know what, that win against the Cowboys was great but they have to prove it, right? And I, I think that's spot on. Yes, the Broncos have to come out this weekend against the Eagles, and they have to prove that, hey, this past weekend wasn't a fluke. We talked about the element of home field advantage. The Broncos, it's going to be a tough test for them against Philadelphia. I don't think anybody should overlook them. You know, Regardless of the record, regardless of what they've gone through, there's a lot more to the story. And obviously, we'll talk with uh, the host of Lockdown Eagles a little bit later on this week for a crossover. But, Sarah, let's dive into your latest article over there, predominantlyorange.com, five Denver Broncos that general manager George Payton should resign after the 2021 season. Now, reading the list here, we'll go player by player here because I feel like it's important to touch on. We'll start off here with Kenny Young. I, I think this is an evident shoe-in, right? Not just because he's been an exciting addition so far through two games, right? A limited sample size. But you, you go out and you give up capital to get him, and, and he's obviously elevated your defense. I, I don't disagree with this one at all. Yeah, I think you look at the trade that they made. I'm not so sure George Payton wants to be giving up a draft selection in 2024 for a guy that only played nine games for the team. And maybe, maybe he really doesn't care about that. Maybe it really was just a move for right now. And maybe that move really was kind of the just the preemptive, all right, the Von Miller trade is coming. Here's Kenny Young for now, for this week, since you guys need him right now. But man, I, I think he's proven his value, you know, whether he's been with the Baltimore Ravens, whether he's been with the Los Angeles Rams, now in, in the early goings with the Denver Broncos, we've talked a number of times, you know, you and me, even before I joined the show, Cody, just about the fact that it's very difficult to play the inside linebacker position in Vic Fangio's defense. So it's tough for these guys to come in and really pick up on all these different things right away. For him to come in and play the majority of the defensive snaps immediately, it, it speaks to his character 
speaks to his football intelligence and it speaks to the fact that I think that man this guy really loves the game you know I don't think that he necessarily wanted to be traded to the Denver Broncos but he he's really he's put on his professional football player cap and he's gone out there and he's done a great job he's fitting in he had that cool moment with Teddy Bridgewater after the Cowboys game so it's clear that he's fitting in with the culture of the team and, and that's the type of guy that I think you want to continually build around. Yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. And I got the all-22 copy of the Broncos-Cowboys game. And I tell you what, he and Baron Browning, Sarah, they have potential, my friend. Just based on what I saw, right? And obviously, if there's a change in the coaching staff, I mean, it could change scheme. But looking at what these two are able to do and how their skill sets complement one another, although they're making a really strong case to, to bring him back, in my opinion, I think this is a great selection here. Another one, too, and I, I kind of want to talk about this one a little bit just because it's one that many Broncos fans are going to be like, why? Kareem Jackson, and, and I agree with you. I like that you put him on this list because I think his impact for the Broncos since he's joined the organization, Sarah, it has been so underrated. But even this year, when all, all of us thought that he was gone, essentially because the Broncos didn't you know, extend the qualifying offer to him, and all of a sudden he resigns on a one-year deal. What he's been able to do on the back end of that defense in terms of coverage against the run, he has been so reliable to the Broncos' function of the two-high safety look. And I know a lot of people say, well, you drafted Jamar Johnson, you got other guys like P.J. Locke, you also have Caden Stearns there. I think that's great, right? But it also, I think, if you go away from a guy like Kareem Jackson, he's playing elite right now. He's playing to a level. He deserves a contract extension. Devers not going to do it. He's going to probably go play for a contender next year. But I like this because not only his leadership, but what he's bringing to the table with his play, it's backing it up, and it's a great serving plate, I think, for these young guys behind him. Definitely. I mean, there's no there's no rush to get other guys into playing 100% of the snaps, right? I mean, Caden Stearns has been having a tremendous impact playing just a fraction of the snaps. So I think going forward, you have to realize, and, and a lot of people who are listening who maybe disagree with Kareem Jackson being included on the list, you got to realize a couple things. Number one, at the age of 33, he looks like he's discovered the fountain of youth playing the safety position. So we know that the style of play that he has would kind of make it seem like, well, the what's the sustainability of that? Well, has Kareem Jackson missed any games due to injury in Denver? We know he was suspended a couple years ago, but he hasn't missed any games due to injury. He's playing lights out. He's playing really smart, and he's been a natural transition to that safety position. So I feel like, man, you get another year, maybe another two years out of Kareem Jackson, or maybe at least just kind of give yourself the option couple years down the road I feel like he's been a great pairing with Justin Simmons on the back end and that's the type of veteran you're getting a good value to the safety position seems to be undervalued in terms of the open market right now we saw like Anthony Harris sign a really yeah. cheap deal with this week's opponent Philadelphia so guys that are playing the safety position at a pretty pretty high level are getting undervalued on the market so Jackson could be a nice value I agree with you there and, and talking about two other options here right because we talk about five of them we've already talked about two I'm going to combine two and one here at wide receiver you got both Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. I think for evident reasons, obviously Cortland Sutton, he's going to be your franchise guy. But even like Tim Patrick, too, on this list, I agree with you, Sarah. I know everyone's like, well, you don't pay the you don't pay both these wide receivers, or if you have to pay them, you have to pay one versus the other. I don't know where that argument came up. I think the Broncos can really maneuver things. And it's also about like Tim Patrick does deserve to get paid. I don't think anybody's discounting mm -hmm. that. But I also think that if he's building something special and he believes it can be in Denver, I think he might stay. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to take a significantly less contract. He's not going to go out there and get a contract that's going to absolutely just break the bank, but he's going to get something I think that's respectable for where he is at. I mean, he could be a wide receiver once there on a lot of teams right now, in my opinion. So I like that he and Cortland Sutton 
And then your other guy here, and you can kind of touch on them all here, but Melvin Gordon, which I put a tweet out during the Cowboys game, watching both Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams run the football and the different skill sets that they have to really complement each other. I said it. The Broncos, George Payton, need to go out and re-sign Melvin Gordon. Now, not a big-time contract, right, because the thought about paying running backs these days is really kind of a hyperbole, but I like these selections. I think really out of these five players, I would select all five of them as well. To resign. Right, right. And I think with Melvin Gordon, just to quickly touch on him, you know, again, it goes back to the same argument that I made about Kareem Jackson. The the value for open market running backs right now is just simply, it's simply not there. So unless you're a superstar, kind of, you know, under the age of 25 or 26 years old, unless you're one of those type of players like a Derrick Henry, you're really probably not going to get game-changing money. And Melvin Gordon just signed a deal to, well, it'll, it will have been two off-seasons ago in 2020, which was worth $8 million per year. So factor in the fact that he's got some more, you know, more – more wear and tear on those legs and all that. And obviously he's older now. I feel like that, that could be another nice value, another two year deal, maybe in the range of five to six, maybe even up to $7 million a year. Again, this isn't our money. We're not talking about our money and you can manipulate (laughs) the salary cap. So who really cares? And when it comes to the argument about keeping Sutton and Tim Patrick, I'm with you, Cody. I don't know where this idea of the, would you rather came from i think it's a fun game it's a fun party game like would you rather oh what would you do would you keep tim patrick would you keep Cortland sudden which would you do if you're george payton if i was george both payton i would keep both so i don't understand why you can't i think that people get this so mixed up the according to spot rack cody the broncos are, are projected for 80 million dollars in cap space and that salary cap is just going to continue to rise as the years progress. So Tim Patrick, to me, you look at a contract like Corey Davis, a very, a very comparable, if not Corey Davis was better in Tennessee than Tim Patrick has been in Denver in terms of production. Statistically, he signed for 12.5 million per season. I don't understand how that's breaking the bank for Tim Patrick. Then you can go to Cortland Sutton with an offer in the 15 to 18 million a year range. All of a sudden, just get that this is going to be mind-blowing, Cody. You're not even going to believe this. If you have good receivers on the team, a better quarterback might want to come play for you. That's yeah. that's pretty crazy. Or if even crazier, if you draft a quarterback, having good receivers, Cody, I don't know if you know this, but having good receivers might actually help a young quarterback. So maybe you invest in that position. Maybe you swallow the pill and say, oh, man, we're going to have to pay these two guys decent, fair value on, on the it. market. And, and I, the Jerry Judy contract thing keeps coming up in my Twitter mentions. What about paying Jerry Judy? You That can is already four years down the road. You don't have to worry about it. So to me, Cody, it's a no-brainer. You keep both guys, unless Tim Patrick desperately wants to get out of Denver, like you mentioned, or Sutton yeah. for that matter. Unless one of those two guys desperately wants to get out, George Payton's goal should be to keep both. Yeah, and I think George Payton has really valued the playmakers, the production there. And I would be very shocked if he lets one of those guys go. It has to be for the right circumstances, right? And there's a reason Tim Patrick has been back every single year since 2017. Let's just be honest about that. But Broncos country, coming up here in just a moment, Tim Jenkins is going to join Sarah and myself as we talk about the Broncos offensive explosion on Sunday. We talk about Teddy Bridgewater, we talk about Pat Shermer, and we talk about whether or not the Broncos have a new sustainability or at least a foundation for it for the remainder of the season. We talk about that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, let me tell you about the sponsor. Today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, that's our good friends over there at the Get Upside app. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are tired of paying full price at the gas pump when you fill up, well, Get Upside makes it to where you never have to pay full price ever again 
at the pump today. And if you go and download the GetUpside app from the App Store, Google Play, Apple Store, whatever you may have, you can use promo code TOUCHDOWN. And they're going to give you an additional 25 cents per gallon cash back every time that you fill up today. So every time you go to the gas pump and you fill up your tank, you're going to get 25 cents per gallon cash back. And when you first sign up with promo code touchdown, they're going to put an additional 25 cents per gallon cash back on top of that. It's 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first official fill today with the GetUpside app. And if you travel as much as me, you can make up to $200 to $300 a month and cash back alone. And they make it super easy for you to cash out. Whether you connect your bank account, PayPal, you connect with Amazon or other gift cards, they can send that to you. It's easy to cash out with the GetUpside app today. Never pay full price at the gas pump ever again. Once again, promo code TOUCHDOWN gets you 25 cents per gallon cash back today. The GetUpside app. We are all elite here with Tim Jenkins. As always, always a pleasure to be joined by Tim Jenkins, who does a lot of fantastic work training high school athletes, college athletes, pro athletes. From the quarterback position, a lot of knowledge here. That's why we bring him here on the show because he makes us understand offensive football so much more. But Tim, uh, great to have you back, my friend. And uh, a surprise, I think, for everybody in Broncos country this past Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you know, first off, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. But yeah, I think it was a huge surprise. I, I mean, <laughs> I was on the field with our doing our group session, and one of the guys was like, "Hey, what do you think is going to happen this week?" And I was like, uh, "I don't think it's going to be good." I just thought that, I mean, the Cowboys are really, they're a darn good team. And yeah, and then all of a sudden they just showed up and just rolled them. And I mean, let's be honest, it was 30 to nothing, right? They yeah. scored like the 16, like very late in kind of a, you could tell they didn't want to get shut out fashion. But I just think it's, I mean, it was really impressive. It wasn't just a win, right? Because it, it was just such a decisive win. I think there's obviously a lot of things that went the Broncos way that I don't know if you can always count on the blocked punt, those kind of things. But it was a huge win for the Broncos. Yeah, big time. And so starting things off here, too, I, I'm going to ask you about Teddy Bridgewater, kind of what you saw from him. Uh, you know, there were several plays where we saw kind of that first drive was like, okay, this is the same offensive story. The next drive, they just got into rhythm, and Teddy was decisive. The wide receivers were doing good. The blocking, the protection was really nice for the most part. Uh, just in general, what did you see from Bridgewater? What's really hard is, yeah, the first drive, you're kind of watching it. You're thinking to yourself, oh, boy, here we go again. <laughs> and then they popped the big run with Williams, which is funny because it was a high low, right? Like the tight end slicing back across the formation. There's a guy engaged, and then he cuts the guy. So it's like it should have gotten called back. And that, to me, it's like how much does that change the game if that happens and all of a sudden the Broncos go three and out again? But they get the big run, and then they hit the – deep over to Jerry Judy right after. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, this thing's rolling and, and, and it leads the point. So I think when you're, when you're looking at the game, like specifically, like just with Teddy, it, he, he played a really efficient game. He's been playing the thing that it's, that's hard is it's like, okay, all the stuff we were complaining about, right? Like, Hey, he threw short of the sticks. He did it again. It's just the receiver made a, you know, Tim Patrick mm -hmm. made a play and got a first down. Yep. Obviously Jerry Judy coming back, is a much bigger deal than anyone anticipated. I think the way you saw them move him around too was extremely effective. So to me, it's like, yeah, I just think it was one of those things where it was like, I think Teddy more or less played similar that, to what he has done. Obviously, the Tim Patrick ball that he hits is a great throw. He had two or three great deep overthrows. But the rest was kind of what you're used to seeing with him. But I do think that the receivers went out 
and made a lot of plays. And we had a lot of – I mean, there was like – there had to have been a ton of yak yards. Like the one he flipped out to Jerry Judy that Jerry all of a sudden gets 20 on. I, I think, you know, the receivers were making a ton of plays after the catch. So to me, it's it's kind of more of what Teddy's been doing. It's just I just think everyone around him kind of did a little bit more too. Well, Tim, I don't know if you could see, but there's just a, a little tear streaming down my <laughs> face from you talking about yak and the Broncos receivers getting yak. We've been talking about that on this show for weeks. So I was thrilled to see it. And I know you're a big KJ Hamler guy, Tim. So here's my here's my connections that I was kind of putting together through the game. I feel like we did not see a lot of that motion that you just talked about with Jerry Judy yeah. last season before the snap. And it looked to me like maybe what they had planned for KJ Hamler, they put those plans in on the back and the shoulders of, of Jerry Judy starting this week. I don't think we even saw it week one against the Giants, much less last season. So Talk to us about kind of what you notice about how Pat Shermer was getting Jerry Judy involved before the snap and what that led to in terms of success for the offense. I mean, I th- there's two plays to point to, right? So one, Jerry Judy, I think that's why everyone gets mad at me when I say this, but I think that's why he's wide receiver one is because he can do so much. Like Cortland is an outside receiver. Jerry Judy, literally you can play him anywhere. To me, it's like, that's, uh, that's wide receiver one, right? If you can do everything, you're, you're, that's why you're wide receiver one. Anyways, the two plays that I'll give you is one, they kick him across once they motion him from two by two to three by one bunch. And then they run a little arrow route. The The Cowboys are in banjo, right? Which is just like, it's a defensive term for in and out coverage. So, Hey, you know, you're, they end up playing box and they like try to banjo all of it. Anyways, Cowboys guys run with the wrong guys. They pop wide open flat, easy third and six conversion. And then the other one was the one I just talked about, which is they bring him in that little, it's almost like a jet and then orbit around behind it. Like it's kind of like some people probably call it like counter orbit where you try to go to the side and then pull back around. And they do that once on a, another third down where it's like, you could tell they're in some sort of like sort coverage where they're trying to run cover one hole and sort it out on who goes where. And he just runs a bubble and he's wide open and they flip it out and it's like 25 yards. So to me, that's the pre-snap motion, a pre one pre-snap motion's gotten like overblown into people thinking if you don't motion, your offense sucks. And that's not true. With that being said, there are some key coverage indicators that you can get from it. So the best coverage indicator they got all day, or the best use of motion motion, you could argue, was the Tim Patrick touchdown. Because they motioned Jerry Judy across the formation to realize that it's off-man coverage, and then they run the stutter and go against off-man. It's a touchdown. So to me, it's like that was probably the best use of it. And we didn't even get him the ball. So I do think what they were doing with him probably was like, you're saying what they had dialed up for KJ. And it just so happens that, Hey, we don't have KJ, but we think Jerry can do it. And and obviously he went out there and he did it really well. Spot on there too. And, and so many other things too, like you mentioned, the motion created opportunities, not only just for Jerry Judy, but for other guys to have success. And you're really going to see how the defense adjusts in place to you. This was definitely one of those games. I thought Pat Shermer had called a, a better flow of game, right? We talked about game script on a couple episodes ago when we had you on here. This was a game where I felt like the Broncos started building on that. They started getting momentum. And we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about the Broncos offense coming up here in just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, before we do that, let me tell you about the other sponsor of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. It's our good friends over there at Built Bar. And Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that is out there on the market today. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Thanksgiving that is coming up. And as you know, Thanksgiving, one of the traditions is to have pie. And each slice of pie usually contains around 300 calories. What if I told you that there is a really great tasting alternative? And it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar that has 17 
grams of protein, 130 calories, and only four grams of sugar. Well, you still may have that piece of pie, but I tell you what, I'm going to have myself a Built Bar, and they have nine amazing, delicious flavors, peanut butter brownies, salted caramel, double chocolate, and they're also introducing the puffs as well at Built.com. They have a box, they have a flavor for everybody in your family, so you can get a mixed box today by going to Built.com, or you can just choose one specific flavor if you already know what your favorite flavor of Built Bar is, and you can get that sent directly to your doorstep. Like I mentioned, the bars are covered in 100% chocolate, they're soft, they're easy to chew, and they are tasty. Like I said, they taste just like a candy bar, and whatever flavor you get, that's the flavor that you're going to get when you take a bite into it, ladies and gentlemen. So go to Built.com today, and when you go to checkout, make sure you use promo code LOCKED15. That's going to give you 15% off your next order at Built.com. Once again, promo code LOCKED15 gets you 15% off your next order at Built.com. Jumping into the fourth quarter action here with Tim Jenkins. And Tim, we just talked about Jerry Judy. We talked a little bit about Tim Patrick and his big play that he had against Trayvon Diggs, Teddy Bridgewater's play. I I think going forward, Broncos fans are looking at the formula that the Broncos used on Sunday against the Cowboys with really rushing the football, kind of being the primary. And because of that, having success with it, being able to throw the ball a little bit more. In in your opinion, was the style that you saw the Broncos play on Sunday, do you think that's sustainable for them potentially going forward down the second half of the season? It's it's always such a fascinating question because to me, whenever I watch film, I'm always like, anytime you throw the ball, it's more sustainable. Because like, it's like still covered, right? And you complete it. Whereas the run game, it almost feels like it's like someone makes a great block or like a defensive guy busts his gap assignment. And that's what leads to the big play. And it's like, well, how sustainable is that? With that being said, it's like, you know, I was joking with Ben and Ryan on their show last night because I was talking about Javante Williams. And then, you know, uh, some people love Javante. Some people don't like him. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, listen, I fast forward all the run plays. So the only ones I notice are the ones where Javante's running for like 20 seconds. Right, because I'm sitting there fast forwarding it, and he breaks up a huge run. But I do think it's one of those things where it's like that kid is so special that I think you have to say at this point it's sustainable because he's done it for what uh, nine weeks, right? Yeah. We've seen him go out there and do it, so it's like it is sustainable because he's gonna end up having one run a game. It feels like where he breaks nine tackles and goes and gets thirty yards. So I do think it's sustainable. I just think the idea of, hey, we can run the ball and then now our run action, those deep shots are going to be more effective is really what it comes down to. And I do think, you know, one of the places that Teddy, I think, struggles, which is weird, is quick game. Like, I don't think he's great with like, hey, we're going to read this out, two shell, three shell, or we're going to do pure, uh, you know, a, a full field progression of quick game. I just don't think he's great with it. So I do think that run game can be that for them. And then some of that Jerry Judy orbit stuff to get him the ball in space. We saw the screens, right? We saw a bubble to him, like all that kind of stuff, I think, can help be that quick game for the Broncos. Because I do think when Teddy's at his best, it's off of the run action stuff where he's throwing the deep overs or the big in routes or those, you know, shot play double moves. So I do think it's sustainable. I think the bottom line is they have to keep being creative with what they're doing and it can't just turn, you know, go right back to what they were trying to do against the Ravens. But I almost wonder if it's one of those things where we're seeing what Pat Shermer wanted to do now that he's not just like hamstrung to 12 personnel. So given all that we've seen is, I guess it's kind of a weird halfway point. It's like 17 games. So we're past the halfway point, but you know, whatever at this point in time, Tim, do you feel like the the Broncos are maybe, I don't know. The optimist in me wants to say this is a launching off point uh, of good things yet to come. So like you mentioned just a, just a couple of seconds ago, 
from what we've seen from the offense leading up to this point, is this something that they can build build upon? Or what are specifically the things that you think that they need to build upon in order to continue to progress as the season goes along and maybe sneak into the back end of the playoffs? Yeah, I just think being multiple uh, and I like formationally. I think formationally, them using some of the motion stuff, trying to, you know, hey, get them to check from two by two to three by one or get them to check from, hey, we're good to now you're in stack and they have to try to in and out it. Like all that kind of stuff, I think, is something they can build on. But the bottom line is, is it's like you just want to see it one more week, right? If they do it again against the Eagles, you're on to something. Because, listen, they won sloppily against the against Washington. Then they went out and won a really clean game in Dallas. If they then went again, they've won three in a row, right? So it's like all of a sudden you're sitting there and 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 now it's like, okay, well, we're six and four. I mean, I'm not going to lie. After they lost four straight, I'm sitting there like they're going to be four and six. Like there's no shot. Like that's kind of where my mindset was. I was sitting there like this is terrible. And they've, they've proved me wrong. And I think they're building off of it. Now I think you do have to see it one more week, right? It's like yeah. – I don't want to get fooled by this Dallas game like it was like the first three, where then all of a sudden you're like, all right, here we go, playoffs. Because like this is who we thought the defense was going to be, but they haven't done it except for this game. Yeah. Like I, if you want to call a spade a spade, Washington was a good game, but at the same time it's like Washington's a bad team. This was the first time that they saw, to me, a really good offense, and they stood up and they were kind of – who we all kind of projected they would be this offseason. So if they can do it again against Philadelphia and a dynamic guy like Jalen Hurts, say whatever you want about Jalen Hurts and the fact that he can't throw the ball that efficiently. He's a tough, he is a tough, tough, tough quarterback to go against because he's got, he could just go ahead and extend the play and, and rush for 40 yards. So I do think if they do it one more week, man, there's there's so much exciting stuff ahead. And then like you're saying, yeah, all of a sudden they sneak into the back of the playoffs and then it's going to be really exciting. Now, the NFL has been so weird this season, Tim. We're seeing these other you know teams that have these explosive offenses have games where they're not. I mean, I think the Cowboys probably was the most surprising one with Dak coming back. You have a you know Mari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. You have a healthy backfield and a relatively healthy offensive line. I think that everybody's expectation going into the game was, man, I, I just don't know if the Broncos can't match the offensive output with Dallas and they're in trouble. And then all of a sudden they go out and they just absolutely exceed expectations and Dallas can't match the Broncos' offensive output. So... It was one of those weird Freaky Friday type games, Tim. And look, I agree with you. I think the belief is going to be on if the Broncos can prove it, if they can go out against the Eagles, play that well on defense again, play that well on offense. And look, the Eagles defense will be tough too. There's going to be some tough opportunities for them. They're going to try to send a lot of stuff at uh, Teddy Bridgewater. They're going to have those guys with Darius Slay trying to lock up. So something to keep an eye on. And obviously, you know, Tim, we can't wait to have you back next week to talk about it. And then the Broncos will either go into the bye week at a 500 record at five and five, or they'll go in at six and four. So, a lot to look forward to here for uh, the Denver Broncos. And, Tim, thank you so much for joining us here once again. And, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to Tim's YouTube channel, All Things QB. He does all the film breakdowns that you can eat. He's even got the whiteboard marker like me, a man of film and whiteboard study, man. I love it. And, obviously, Tim, you can catch him here on Tuesdays on Lockdown Broncos. Thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. And obviously, again, just want to say thank you to Tim Jenkins for taking time out of his day to talk with Sarah and I about the Denver Broncos offense. Ladies and gentlemen, a lot of storylines coming down the pike here this week for the team ahead of their bye week. Look, they got to take care of business against the Philadelphia Eagles, myself, Sarah Bedinger, and also Louis DiBiase. We're going to talk about it. Tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Broncos is going to feature a crossover with Locked on Eagles. Ladies and gentlemen, can't wait to break down all the action with you. Thank you so much for tuning in here. Once again, Lockdown Broncos free and available everywhere on your favorite podcast. 
podcasting provider. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day, every single day. And if you want to watch us, once again, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, turn on notifications so you never miss out on an episode or video that Sarah or myself put out here covering the Denver Broncos. See you tomorrow.